you know, there's always a conspiracy theory that involves Israel when it comes to the coronavirus, but there's a lot to talk about in terms of the Jewish world today. We'll do it right here. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey friends, Michael Brown here. Delighted to be with you on this thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Late last night, had a talk with my dear friend Rabbi Shmuley, living right in the outskirts of New York City over in New Jersey, talking about just how crazy the environment is there, the fear that's rising, people dying. whole lot going on, a whole lot to talk about. It is thoroughly Jewish Thursday, so our focus is going to be Israel. But of course, coronavirus will be in our view as well. Here's the number to call. Anything Jewish related of any kind, as broadly as you want to paint that, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. For those who are watching, I bet that you have no possible idea why I am dressed up today. I, it's just, I bet if I gave you 100 choices— and said, you have any book that I've written for free, if you guess it right. I'm almost sure that nobody would get it. Yeah, so you'll find out why soon enough. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's some positive things going on always, and God at work always in the midst of storms. So we want to talk about serious stuff today. We want to give you some lighthearted relief as well. We want to talk about important issues. So again, number to call, 866 for truth. Uh, let me give you a little context, background, larger Jewish understanding. It's natural that every group is focused on its own situation and how a particular development affects that group, right? It, it's, it's only logical, natural. The group that you're in, okay, how does this economic downturn or upturn affect us? How does this pandemic affect us? How does this political development affect us? How does this new religious law affect us? It's just natural that you're going to think in those terms. Over the centuries, Jewish people have always asked, okay, how is this going to impact us? How is this going to impact the Jewish community? How is this going to affect, quote, the Jewish question? So there's a funny story that's told that illustrates this point. I, I first heard it about three scientists who went over to India to do an exhaustive study on the Indian elephant, all right? Uh, now, I, I then heard it with a fourth one added in, an Israeli scientist. So three scientists come to India, and then a fourth is added from Israel. The other three, one from Germany, one from France, one from America. And they're going to do an extensive, exhaustive analysis of the Indian elephant. So after a year of study, the German scientist goes back to Germany, spends a lot of time, puts a book together, and publishes it, 100 Ways to Analyze and Categorize the Indian Elephant. Now, if you know much about German scholarship, it's, it's often very systematic, very encyclopedic, so that, okay, right. Then the French scientist, after a year of study, goes back, spends extensive time, puts together a major book, and publishes The Romantic Life of the Indian Elephant. Yeah, France, right? The American scientist, after a year of study, comes back home, works extensively on putting his book together, and 
publishes his book on how to make a bigger and better Indian elephant. <laughs> yeah, the American mentality. The Israeli scientist comes back after a year of study and then spends a lot of time putting his book together and publishes the Indian elephant and the Jewish question. In other words, each one is going to do it in their distinct way, but that's going to be the, all right, so how does the Indian elephant relate to us as Jews? How does it impact Israel? So this is, this is no different today with the virus and with conspiracy theories. This stuff's just going to happen. Now, check this out. After yesterday's broadcast, late last night, I went back to my Facebook page, to my Twitter page, S. Dr. Brown on Facebook and Dr. as in Dr. Dr. Michael L. Brown on Twitter. And I looked at responses that had come in. I looked more carefully and in more detail at some of the responses that had come in when I asked, what are some of the oddest theories that you've heard in terms of the origins of coronavirus or how it's being used? I, I compiled a few of them, which will be in this book that I'm putting together right now, hopefully finishing it tonight on the coronavirus, the Bible, end of the age so here's some, just a sampling. Now, some also from phone calls and videos I've seen. Phone calls came in yesterday and videos, but I just want you to hear this. And I'm not reading these to mock. I'm just letting you know what, what I've been hearing. Okay. Um, yeah, Kai, not the headline now, just uh, what I'm going to be reading from my book. Uh, that this was, so, so what caused the virus? Again, I'm reading now a selection of responses on what caused the coronavirus. That this was a dry run to test responsiveness, Bill Gates and his involvement in Event 201, his focus on overpopulation vaccines, digital tracking, tanking of dollars, etc. I heard this one, and, and, and yeah, I, I heard this a lot. Uh, some scientists reportedly suggest the source of the COVID-19 virus was a meteor. Uh, Chinese and U.S. US nanotechnology infiltrated people uh, via forced Chinese vaccines and U.S chemtrails, and those governments can control whether we live or die as part of a multi-government population control initiative. 200 generals hatched this plot in the aftermath of 9-11 with the goal of destroying pedophile rings. A feminist lawyer is claiming that the coronavirus is, quote, a weapon of the patriarchy, even though the virus is killing more men than women. There will be a chip in the vaccine preparing the way for a one-world government and ultimately the Antichrist. And if you do some mathematical equation with the word COVID, it creates the number 666. To create a digital currency in order to get rid of the dollar and bring about a one-world currency, which ties in with the mark or chip that won't allow you to buy or sell without um, having it while simultaneously – let me just change something here – while simultaneously bringing about the beloved Antichrist, whom everyone would love, Obama. The European – I'm just sharing some of the stuff that people posted. Uh, The European Union would be involved along with progressive politicians in order to reduce internal social expenditure – solve the aging population problem, and repopulate Europe with Islamic immigration in order to satisfy anti-Semitic internal movements, besides stopping Trump. The virus is somehow connected to Satanists in Hollywood who are sacrificing babies to the devil. Leftists are in cahoots with China to ruin our economy and take down Trump so he won't be reelected. The imam in Syracuse, New York, said that COVID-19 is Allah's judgment on us because women show too much ankle. Uh, It started with people eating bats in Wuhan. It's an engineered virus based on a known bat virus to ensure China can use to leverage, uh, to ensure China can use to leverage U.S. trade. Goes along with their current stranglehold on prescription medications, much needed by the U.S. Also, the mainstream media has now got their message to not use racist Chinese virus headlines. 
The virus was designed to sterilize men since it attacks the RNA since women have uh, double X chromosomes and immunity capabilities with that chromosome. Women have a better chance of recovery than men. That the U.S. or Israel created it, quite a popular propaganda message from Chinese and Iranian sources. Obviously, Iran accused Israel and China, accusing U.S. and, of course, the Jews will always get blamed for causing a pandemic. That George Soros created it and that China did it to reduce population. Uh, the virus was created to reduce global population because Earth resources can only sustain a certain amount of people. And that it targets older people and immunosuppressed people to make sure the fittest survive the pandemic. The virus was created to be a distraction for an asteroid about to hit Earth and cause total annihilation. The idea is that by creating this distraction and forced shutdown, it keeps people off the streets and unable to create massive civil unrest. It keeps families together until the end as well. The virus was a cover-up for those who were either under house arrest, Canadian PM Trudeau, or in witness protection who will testify, Tom Hanks, in conjunction with the Jeffrey Epstein case. <clears throat> yeah, okay, you... you that's just, that's just some of what is out there. A couple things could be a bit more believable in terms of how people are reacting and the Bill Gates of the world and their vision or the George Soros's of the world or different governments and what they may be thinking and how they can work together or have a larger agenda or China having an agenda once the virus is out. I mean, some things you can understand. Okay, we don't know what caused the virus or how it came about, but here are ways that people are trying to use this situation for their purposes yeah, that's what human beings are going to do. But I, I just wanted you to know more of what is out there. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, some headlines from Israel, starting with Jerusalem Post. Uh, religious leaders, now, now this is uh, Christian, Muslim, and most particularly Jewish. Coronavirus is punishment and sign of the Messiah's coming. That... Many leaders are saying that God is judging the world for its sin. Some are giving specific sins. Uh, some are saying it's, it's because of homosexual activism. Uh, some are saying it's, it's because of secularism or extreme environmentalism or all kinds of different things are being put out. Uh, but religious leaders are saying that, Christian, Jewish, Muslim. And many are saying that this is a sign that we are right at the end, that the end is very, very Near Now, my own view is that this is certainly a time of shaking and upheaval. You've got a massive locust plague that's ravaged parts of Africa and could well be coming through Israel around the time of Passover. You know, think of that. Will the plague be stopped? I mean, that's, that's quite a narrative there, is it not? But uh, I do not see this as the end of the age or one of the plagues from Revelation. I, I see this more as a tremor as we get closer to the end. Uh, here, just a quote or two from a rabbi. Uh, almost all the non-Jewish culture has stopped academia, education, ministry, leisure culture, travel abroad, and obviously God's drawing Jewish people back to Torah and observance. A Muslim preacher on Palestinian Authority TV, the coronavirus is one of Almighty Allah's soldiers. Allah is punishing the sinners, those who attack his believers. The true meaning of the epidemics is a trial from Almighty Allah and a punishment a trial for the believers, and a punishment for the sinners goes on from there. Hey, I, I have no issue whatsoever with the idea of God bringing judgment on sinful humanity. In, in other words, when I say I have no issue, it's not for me to take issue with God. What I mean is, from a biblical theological standpoint, I have no issue with that happening today, even in New Testament times. 
But you've got to be very careful. You've got to remember, we talked about this yesterday, Luke 13, where Jesus says, hey, don't, don't look at some people who died an unusual death and think, well, they must have been worse sinners than everybody. He said, no, unless you repent, you're all going to perish. That's the state of the human race. We all need mercy. We all need grace. You go through Romans 1, Paul talks about God giving the human race over to their foolishness when they forsook God and chose idolatry, and then he gives us over to, to the lust of our flesh and sexual immorality and then sexual perversion and then all types of sin and perversion. When you get to the end of the chapter and you read the whole thing, it's like, that's the human race. Can't just point a finger at this group, this group. It's, it's us guilty before God and all of us needing his mercy. All right, we're just getting started. 866-34-TRUTH. Any Jewish-related question of any kind, phone lines are wide open. We'll be right back. With your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I hope that you are living in peace in the midst of the storm. I just heard from a friend of mine in New York. He had a colleague's work with for years was doing outreach in New Orleans, came back sick, suddenly very sick, now has passed away of the virus. His wife is in very serious condition. Found out they, they live not far from where we live, same, same city, actually. I didn't even know they were here. Uh, so a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, but in the midst of this, this is not time to panic. It's time to trust. It's time to put down deep roots. And look, look at it like this, friends. Seize the moment. Take advantage of the upheaval. Don't let it just be a longing to get back to normal life. Instead, seize the moment to live differently. I'll give an example. Let's just say that you were out somewhere, had to run up a flight of steps, and to your shock, you were like, <sighs> you were panting. Okay, that's bad. But now that gives you opportunity to realize, okay, I'm short of breath. Something's going on. I'm just thinking cardio here. It's okay. I got, I got to get in better shape. I, wow. I can't even get up a flight of steps without being exhausted. It's a bad thing, but then you turn it for good. Same way someone has a heart attack, years of unhealthy living. It's a bad thing, but now they turn it for good. They eat healthily and they extend their lives by 20 years. So let's seize the moment. Seize the moment if you have more free time or more time where you have to be at home or changes in schedule churches having to do things differently, rather than just saying, oh, drat, this is terrible, or this is difficult, and it may be financially challenging, take it all as a divine opportunity. And take this a time also to, to search heart and mind, because it is a time of sobriety before God. It is a time of recognizing our weakness and frailty. It is a time of, of looking up and praying and crying out. 866-342. It's going to go to the phones in a moment. Uh, another headline, uh, this from the Daily Star, bats mysteriously dropped dead across Israel, quote, fulfilling biblical prophecy. Yeah, that's, I wonder what biblical prophecy that is. The young bats showed no signs of trauma, and some commentators sensationally believe it is a sign of the end of days. 
Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm not going to get into that more, but just, hey, remember a few years ago, hundreds, thousands of birds just started dropping out of the sky in the States in a number of different cities? What was that about? So odd things happening. Now, some will have a natural explanation. We just don't know it. And others will have a supernatural explanation. But remember, for centuries, for millennia, people have said it's the end of the world. It's all over. It is, and it hasn't been the end yet. So don't overreact. And if it is the end of the world, then start to lift your head and rejoice. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 866-34-TRUTH. Um, all right, let's, let's grab some calls now. We'll start in Washington with Becky. Welcome to the Line of Fire. You're welcome. Clallam County, we only have a, a little bit of outbreak because uh, we only have two borders. We're actually on the Strait of Juan de Fuca in the Pacific Ocean, so ah, it's a Got good it. spot to be. Got it. But uh, my question, uh, I journal, and so I write down different things as I think, oh, I wonder what the answer to the question answered is this. And my question is that, you know, I have a lot of Christian friends that have turned Messianic, and then I course, you know, there's a lot of Christians that I have, friends that I have that are, you know, don't uh, think anything of, um, you know, their Jewish roots or uh, that kind of thing. And so I'm just wondering um, for you, especially with the feast, um, how do you honor the Lord uh, with, uh, you know, regard to the feast, you know, especially Passover coming up here. I've had a few experiences with the Seder dinner. I absolutely love it, but, um, you know, my Messiah is Jewish, and I absolutely love the Jewish people, but just, you know, wondering from your perspective, and uh, and also along in that as well, I love the Hebrew language. I have songs concordance I dig in periodically, and I really love what I find, but I've, I'd like to learn uh, more Hebrew, and just curious, what is the difference between the Old Testament Hebrew and modern Hebrew today? Got it. All right, so the second question is giant difference between Old Testament Hebrew and uh, modern Hebrew. Just think of the difference between King James English of the 1600s and, and I, I mean real, the, the English of, of that day, uh, not even the way it's in our King James Bibles today, which has been changed some, that and contemporary English in 21st century America, well, the gap's going to be much, much, much bigger. So your average Israeli can read much of the Hebrew Bible, the simple narrative and things like that, although some of the vocabulary would be different. But poetic texts and prophetic texts would be much more difficult for them to understand. So I'm super good in biblical Hebrew, and pretty weak, especially in speaking modern Hebrew. Um, if you go to the website Hebrew, the number four Christians, HebrewForChristians.com, you get a lot of good information there, HebrewForChristians.com. When it comes to Christians identifying more with Jewish roots, maybe joining a Messianic Jewish congregation, maybe celebrating the feasts, if this is something that comes in a healthy way out of their relationship with God, if it is part of their uh, love for Jesus and a healthy recovery of things in a way that keeps their eyes central where it should be, then that's wonderful, great. Uh, however it works out, this is not something that we divide over. Uh, for others who say, well, the biblical calendar is important, but I see it as prophetically pointing to Jesus, so my focus is on him. And for me, it's more edifying to to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus at a special time that we call Easter. Okay, even though it's separated from Passover, it should have been part of the Passover celebration. It's best to do it in conjunction with the Passover celebration. We don't divide over those things. 
in my own life, uh, when I was part of a Messianic Jewish congregation, we were more careful to be living in harmony with the biblical calendar, uh, but it did not have any more meaning for me personally than simply exalting the Lord every day of my life. In, in, in other words, everyone relates differently. So I believe that the whole body should have an understanding of the significance of the biblical calendar, of the Jewish roots of the faith. They should have an understanding of God's purposes for Israel. But then how it works out in daily life is going to be very different for each person as we live life in the Spirit. And that's all fine within the diversity of the body. Again, it's nothing that we judge one another for. As long as Jesus Yeshua is central and we hold to the foundational doctrines of the faith, then these aspects of practice can vary. What I do believe, again, is important is we understand the spiritual and prophetic significance of the biblical calendar, that we understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's purposes for Israel. Uh, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Jeremy in West Virginia. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Um, I just had a question. I actually have two questions, if that's okay. But um, my question is, um, say you're a Jew, you're living before Jesus even came, so like Messiah hasn't came yet. What is your view, what were the Jews' view of the Messiah? Was that, you know, Lots Yahweh of different himself views. coming? No, no, no. There was, there was not a view that God himself was coming, that he was sending someone. Uh, he might have been an exalted figure, but he was sending someone, human being. Uh, there were various views. Some Jews did not have a clear sense of a messianic hope. Uh, others were expecting several messianic figures, uh, a prophet, and then a priestly messiah, and a royal messiah, the son of David. Uh, some were simply expecting the messiah to come and, and set the Jewish people free from Rome, so more of a, of a warrior. Uh, some were looking for more of a teacher or a miracle worker. So there were various beliefs, and, and we don't have a tremendous amount of literature right from that time, immediately before Jesus came into the world. So some of it we have to reconstruct. Some we do have through the Dead Sea Scrolls, what's called the, the pseudepigraphic literature. Uh, and then the later literature of the rabbis, we have to try to see what goes back to that time. But there were various beliefs, just like if I asked you today, uh, what do Christians believe about the second coming You have and, and the millennium? You're going to get lots of different viewpoints. Same with the Jewish people that day. And second question? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, uh, the second question is, um, people. I've heard people say, like uh, Philippians two six, they'll say that in the form of God simply means spirit. But um, wouldn't that contradict Hebrews one fourteen and imply that we're slaves to angels? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Philippians two six, speaking of Jesus existing in the form of God, meaning he was very God, and that's why he doesn't hold on to that right that he had. That's the whole context there. He humbles himself. So it doesn't just mean in spirit. It means in essence he was God, and yet he didn't cling to his divine prerogatives, but rather emptied himself of his divine rights to take on the form of a, of a, a slave and die for us. Hey, Jeremy, appreciate the question. Uh, here, another, another headline for you. Um, Times of Israel reports this. Rapper sparks anti-Semitism outcry with Rothschild Synagogue of Satan lyrics. So Rothschild, that's allegedly these Jewish bankers and wealthy Jews who, of course, Rothschilds were wealthy Jewish bankers, but wealthy Jews who kind of run the whole world and they've been doing it for a while behind the scenes. 
So rapper sparks anti-Semitism outcry with reference to Rothschild and synagogue of Satan. Allegedly, that's what God says about all Jews. They're the synagogue of Satan. And uh, Jay Electronica says he stands behind every single word in new album, despite criticism from Jewish radio personality and others. Oh, isn't it interesting? According to this article, he's a friend of Louis Farrakhan. Here's some lyrics. I bet you're a Rothschild. I get a bang for my dollar. The synagogue of Satan want me to hang by my collar. Yep, this is the type of stuff that continues to fuel Jew hatred around the world. Not being paranoid, just this reality. This is reality. 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. And there have been never been a time when the oligarchs have had more control over our lives. And so it may be that that the real message of the coronavirus is that it takes God's hand to break the hold of their hand over all of us. So I don't I think we should be optimistic here. Everything is in God's hands. Logos is rising. And that's good news. Uh, That is Catholic scholar and notorious anti-Semite E. Michael Jones on the Alex Jones show. And Alex Jones still has a very large Internet following. And what what he said sounds like it could be making sense and you know God's shaking things and 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 you've got these these would be powers the these massively powerful behind the scenes leaders with their agenda and one world government and these various things they want to subjugate people and so on and 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 God is breaking that control and and this is what's happening through the virus it sound could sound reasonable but uh of course, with E. Michael Jones, you know where it's going to go. So he continues in the discussion and says this. Now, this is a, at this point, what you're seeing is the governments, the oligarchs showing their hand about the world that they are preparing for us. And what is that world like? Well, first of all, uh, in Indiana, religious services have been banned. So you can't go to church but Pornhub now is offering a premium subscription free of cost to the people of Italy and everyone who's stuck inside with quarantine. Uh, okay, now the logic is getting a little twisted as if the government of Indiana is working together with Pornhub in Italy. <clears throat> Hang on, it's not just religious gatherings that have been restricted, say, in Indiana and across America and in other nations. It's other gatherings. Uh, the movie theaters. There's a lot of trash in the movie theaters. You can't go to the movies. Strip clubs, all trash, right? You can't go to the strip clubs. Bars, we go and get drunk. Can't go there. So it's not just religious gatherings. It's not like, okay, the oligarchs now are trying to shut down religion and then instead push 
porn. Remember, a lot of people are going to listen to this like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense, right, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, Pornhub, and I've written about this, porn to the rescue, sarcastically. Yeah, Pornhub is going to try to use this moment and say, hey, you got people at home and people just time to spend and they, they want a distraction and they're getting more porn. Of course, everybody's going to try to use this for their purposes. And I have no question that you have world governments and you have China and, and you have the Bill Gates of the world and you have the different leaders and that, that they have agendas, they have vision, what they'd like to see the world become. And they're going to use this virus for that. But again, there's always a twisted conspiracy somewhere that's going to involve the Jews if it's E. Michael Jones. So where does he go next? Take a guess. Let's listen. Now, there's a paradigm here, and I've talked about it before. It's what happened in Ramallah in 2002. Okay, the, the IDF, the Israeli military, pulls into Ramallah uh, on the West Bank, uh, shuts it down, everybody declares martial law, everybody's got to stay in their house because if you come outside, an Israeli sniper is going to shoot you from the roof of the hospital. And so what do you do? You turn on the television to find out what's going on, and it turns out it's pornography. The Israelis are broadcasting pornography 24-7 over the uh, uh, Palestinian TV stations. This is the world that they're preparing for us. Uh, there preparing for us. So does that involve Israel? Uh, the, the Jews trying to take over? Or did you just, Dr. Jones, just throw in this thing about Israel to make Israel look bad in the midst of this? Now, the whole Ramallah thing. Study. Find out why Ramallah was shut down. And find out how Israel was responding to the Second Intifada, where after peace offers to Yasser Arafat, he turns around and launches terrorist attacks that cost the lives of thousands of Jews, people killed, people injured, people mutilated, and Israel responding to this, and Arafat even holding up there in Ramallah. And, and to this day, Israel denies broadcasting porn or anything like that. But of course, the report's out, so bad Israel, evil Israel. Now, Israel, part of the oligarchs, the Jews trying to take over the world to get everyone to watch porn? <sighs> Friends, this is, here's the scary part. Not that someone can say it. Not that someone can even say it on a platform like Alex Jones' show but that a lot of people will believe this. <clears throat> All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's grab some more calls. Go to Jesse in Minnesota. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Thanks, Dr. Brown. You're welcome. All right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my question is fairly, fairly simple. It's just uh, a matter of knowing exactly how how different the Israelites actually were from their contemporaries. Um, I've been coming across certain literature, certain ideas that basically say, well, you know, the Israelites came from this, and I even heard an argument saying something like the word yam comes from the word something for storm, and so that meant that Adam and Eve were actually fearful of a storm, and that's why they were naked. In the cool of the day, that's the verse that they try to translate. And uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I want to get your, your input on this because I'm hearing a lot of things about this. And if I'm hearing it, other people are too. Okay, n n number, number one, there's nothing in the ancient world that compares to the Hebrew Bible. It stands out transcendent. You scour the ancient Near Eastern world, all the literature. We have a lot of it preserved. You look at the 
massive library of literature in Babylonian Assyrian, the Akkadian language. You look at what we've discovered in, in Ugarit and Ebla and these other places. You, you scour all the literature. You go in the south in old South Arabian literature. You go around the ancient world there, the ancient Middle East, ancient Near East, and, and you, you don't find anything that comes within miles of, say, the majesty of the monotheism of Genesis 1 or the, the full ethics of the Ten Commandments and everything that's implied from there. Or if you read, uh, say, passages like Isaiah 40 through 48 and the majesty of the only true God and, and on and on, it, it stands transcendent. And numerous books have been written that show how it stands out. And of course, you have a lot of parallels and common ground because it's people living in the ancient Near East in similar traditions and background and customs and all of that. But absolutely stands out transcendent. That's, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, is this. This stuff about uh, Genesis and they were afraid of the storm and so on and the Hebrew Yom. Forget about it. Don't, don't. Ignore it. Just ignore it. There's no more substance to that than Santa Claus stuff or that Elvis Presley is alive and performing today. Just don't even think about it. There's endless nonsense out there. Endless. Endless. Ignore it. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, let's go to Bruce in Utah. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. I'm a loyal Mormon listener in Utah. Here's my question. Uh, Jewish-related, Jewish tradition, I believe, holds that a temple will be built in Jerusalem during or before the end times. Can you tell me what the function of that temple will be? What's going to happen inside of it? What's yeah, the so traditional Jews have been praying for the rebuilding of the temple daily for centuries. There are some traditional Jews who to this day will get up at midnight to mourn the destruction of the second temple and that it has not been rebuilt. So this is something fervently prayed for, and it is believed that this is something that the Messiah will do, that this will be one of the signs that he is the Messiah, that he will rebuild the temple. Now, there are some traditional Jews that believe that, that in preparation for the Messianic era, that they can help in building the temple. But the primary view has been that the Messiah himself will oversee the building of it. Some even believe that it will come down from, from heaven. But the vast majority believe, traditional Jews, that it will be rebuilt and it will have the exact same functions as the temple did in Old Testament times. In other words, nothing, nothing different. Uh, the exact same thing, the same sacrifices, the same offerings, the same prayers, the same purposes, uh, exactly what the functions were in Old Testament times. That's what they believe they'll be when the Messiah rebuilds the, th- the temple. So the third temple uh, before the end of the age. Yes, yeah, so they're not looking at it any differently. I'm expecting it's going to happen. And then, of course, okay. many Jews will think that this is a vindication. Many Jews will feel even further vindication of the truth of Judaism and that they don't need the Christian Messiah. And when it all comes crashing down at some point and the full revelation of the Antichrist, etc., that's when the need, I believe, will, will become more and more clear to the Jewish people that the temple alone doesn't do it, that the blood sacrifices alone don't do it, that they need the Messiah. Hey, thank you for, for listening as a Mormon, Bruce. I appreciate that. Keep listening, okay? 866-34-TRUTH. 
Uh, we go to Dallas, Texas. David, welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Hey. Uh, my question, I have two questions. First question is pretty simple. Um, I, I'm wondering if you know uh, in the Old Testament the word song, as in S-O-N-G, uh, in Isaiah 12, too, it says, um, uh, you know, Behold, the Lord is my God. Um, I will trust and not be afraid. Uh, he has become my strength and my song. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has become my salvation. Is that word song, is it simply as we understand the word song today, or is there other context there? Oh, no, no. He, he's my song, and that was the one I'm going to celebrate. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing, yeah. Uh, Zimra, I mean, you have, you have a couple of different words for song. One is sheer, that's the most common. Zimra is, is a common word. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it, it's the one that we praise in song. That's basically, you know, okay. he's, he's my theme. He's the one I, I sing about. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was the easy one. The next one is I've been uh, having some discussions with uh, uh, a person from Israel, and, and we've been exchanging uh, ideas, and this person is not, uh, religious or observant in any way, uh, but I'm I'm coming to find that there are some cultural things, uh, such as hanging the uh, the bit of the scroll on uh, the entrance of a doorpost, and uh, and and even hiding uh, the the talim, the, the book of Psalms, under uh, the children's pillows and things like that. Um, is, is this the? I'm trying to figure out: is this common for non-religious uh, Jewish people or? Yes, um, David, David, think of it like this, and I'm just jumping in because I have a break. Think of it like a, someone, a worldly performer, sensual performer, wearing a cross because they're raised Catholic. In other words, people carry over all kinds of traditions, superstitions, beliefs, and it's important to them even though they're not wholeheartedly following the faith. All right, we'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. I have seen reports, an Israeli health minister basically saying Messiah will come and help us before Passover. He's the solution to the coronavirus. I saw a Christian prophetic brother saying that in January there's going to be severe shaking. Everything's going to be shaking the first four months of this year. And then that there was going to be a break around mid-April. It was going to tie in with Passover and that there'd be a vaccine that would be coming from Israel. Uh, Hey, we shall see, right? I'm just looking at an article on WorldNet Daily. Um, Doctor, White House has my 100% successful coronavirus treatment. It is an ultra-Orthodox Jewish doctor, almost died himself with extremely rare cancer, Supposed to have a 100% mortality rate. Took one of his lungs. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko uh, became a religious Jew. And he says he's presented everything to the White House. And it's, it's been 100% effective. And Israel knows about it now. Uh, we shall see. Shall we not? 
And then you have crazy stuff like this going on, and we talk about it on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Uh, The Hill reports this. FBI warns white supremacists encouraging members to spread coronavirus to law enforcement and Jews. So if you're infected, try to spread it to law enforcement officers and to Jews. Again, there is no limit to the crazy. When it it comes to comes to Israel, when it comes to attacks on the Jewish people, there's no limit to the crazy. Okay, let me talk to you for one minute, and then we're going to go right back to the phones. We're doing everything we can to be a blessing to you in the midst of the crisis. Uh, I hope you've been reading the articles that I've been writing about the pandemic and our response to it, and how should we view it concerning biblical prophecy. I hope you've been listening to the many broadcasts we've been doing building faith and strength, even going through Psalm 91 in Hebrew uh, to build you up. I just finished last, uh, last night a chapter in this book that I'm hopefully finishing today on the coronavirus and the Bible and, and the end times. And uh, I went through Psalm 91 in even greater depth uh, in, in the book that'll be coming out hopefully very, very soon. We'll tell you more about that shortly, God willing. And uh, <clears throat> doing our best to get materials out to you, sermons that we're, we're live streaming, uh, Live, uh, live stream on Facebook, talks like that, YouTube, uh, just getting other teachings out there for you. We made a, a book available for free, an ebook last week. Just trying whatever we can to pour in, to bless, to pour in, to bless, to pour in, to bless. Not to ask you for anything, but to pour in, to bless. At the same time, we have needs like everyone else. Uh, all of my speaking engagements for a couple months canceled. And when I go out and speak, my primary reason is to go out and speak, to minister. But when we go out and speak, funds are raised through that that help our ministry, help us be on the radio, on these great stations, on the Internet, help us pay the salaries of our team, help us support our missionaries around the world, help us continue our outreach to the lost sheep of the House of Israel. So I know that some of you are doing just fine. Your jobs have continued. Your income is just fine. If you can step up and help us at a time like this, That'd be awesome. Now, if there are more pressing things you want to help, there's a family member who needs help, hey, let's say I'm telling you how to spend your money. But if you can help us at a time like this, it's a great time to step up and join our support team. Or some of you have the mentality I do. When pressure comes, you give more. You know, you, you just you, you respond to it in, in a faith way. But some of you have reserves. You can, you can readily in, invest in, and help in the, the work of the gospel. So, yeah, put first things first, immediate needs, maybe a family member in crisis, your local church needing extra help. We appreciate that. But those who can give more, those who can continue to give, we really appreciate it. It's a challenging time for everyone. We're trusting God with you. But if we've been a blessing to you, we're thrilled, and we want to continue to do whatever we can to pour in, pour in, pour in, pour in, and be a blessing, and keep making materials available to you free of charge at this time. All right? Obviously, we can't make everything available free, but we pour a ton into you. That's our goal to be here for you, especially if you're shut in more, you're home more, you have more time on your hands, we're here for you. If you haven't signed up for our emails, go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org right now. Sign up, you get a free ebook, Seven Secrets of the Real Messiah, mini book that'll be real eye-opening. And then every week, you'll know the latest videos, latest articles, special resource offers, things like that. So make sure you get our emails. And then when you're at askdrbrown.org, if you're on Facebook a lot, connect with us there. Twitter a lot, connect with us there. YouTube a lot, connect with us there. All the icons are there. Boom, click, connect. And if you can help us with a one-time gift or by becoming a monthly supporter, just click on Donate. ASKDRBrown.org. Click on 
donate. Again, please don't feel pressure if you're trying to figure out how to pay your own bills and you just lost your job. But I'm saying many are in good shape. And at a time like this, we could use your help when, when others are lacking. And this will help us continue what we're doing as we're here to minister and do our best to touch, reach, bless, help as many people as possible. So AskDrBrown.org. Sign up for our emails first and then click donate if you can stand with us. Much appreciated. All right. Back to the phones. Uh, Dane in Indiana, thanks for holding and welcome to the line of fire. Thank you, Dr. Brown. How are you today? Doing very well. Thank you. All right. Hey, so I had a, a question uh, specifically related um, to a conversation I was having uh, with a friend of mine who's a member of the United Church of God. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with their organization, um, but one of their um, beliefs um, in, uh, specifically related to uh, Jews and the Jewish people uh, is that many Western nations are like direct descendants or um, direct extensions of the original 12 tribes of Israel and therefore are uh, recipients of the promises that, that God you know, provided to them you know, all the way back in the Old Testament. Um, you know, a lot is made about, about the organization's, you know, view of, of Sabbath and, and those types of things, but I've never heard anyone uh, speak to uh, the theory of, of sort of the way they connect, you know, the Jewish yeah, it's, people it's and just, some of these sort of nationalist ideas. So, so whether, so whether Christians, yeah, whether Christians should observe a Seventh-day Sabbath or not is, is a totally separate discussion. That's a theological, right, biblical right. discussion, right? But if you think, well, hey, hang on, we actually have Israelite blood, therefore we should, then it becomes a little different. Look, there, there's nothing to support these theories. You, you ha- you've had them in different manifestations for years. You have British Israelitism, that the United Kingdom is the lost tribes of the House of Israel. You have various Mormon-related beliefs that Native Americans actually are descendants of, of Israel. You have the, the black Hebrew Israelites who will go through their charts. If you come from Puerto Rico, then you're this char- tribe. If you come from Dominican Republic, you're this tribe. If you come from this part of Africa, you're this tribe. It's, here's the reality. The reality is the people that have been preserved as the Jewish people through the centuries, that's, that is the nucleus, that's the core that is the vast bulk of those who descend from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then scattered around the world through intermarriage. Others have merged in with that as well. But then because the Jewish people were scattered around the world and the northern kingdom was largely decimated and scattered, that you're going to have little remnants of people who way, 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 way back had some connection to, to Israel. The vast majority of it is gone and completely forgotten. But you do have, say, parts of Africa where the heritage has been remembered. So the Ethiopian Jews, the Falashas, that can trace themselves back, way back to uh, Israelite history. Uh, the Lemba tribe in Zimbabwe. You have various groups in, in parts of Nigeria today. And some legitimately seem to have a claim going back. And now some of those people retaining an Israelite heritage, came over to America's slaves and continued to retain that heritage. And then ultimately, that led to people taking it into these extremes and the black Hebrew-Israelite cult and things like that, just to put in oversimplified terms. So it, 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 the long and short of it, Dane, is completely ignore the claims of the United Church of God in terms of having some type of unique Israelite heritage. That's just another one of these myths that gets passed on. 
That being said, yeah, Israelite blood was spread all around the world, but then intermarrying into the rest of the nations, it just completely disappears. It's like putting one drop in the ocean. It just gets absorbed in the rest of the ocean and disappears in that regard. So nothing even to think twice about, just another cult-like belief of another group. You know what's wild, though? Um, and friends, we, we should be normal broadcast tomorrow, even though things are shutting down in many ways around us. We're able to continue broadcasting with our setup. So God willing, we'll be back with you tomorrow. You've got questions. We've got answers. Not able to get to all calls today, but let me glance at our board again here. Uh, if, you, if you're able to get through to us early in the show tomorrow, those that we didn't get to today, we'll do our best to get you at the beginning of the show tomorrow. But it's really fascinating that when the Jews are getting persecuted and slaughtered around the world, and when they're going through exceptionally hard times, you don't have a lot of people saying, hey, we're really Jews over here. We're, no, we're, we're the true Israelites. We're the real ones. You don't have a lot of that going on. You don't have a lot of that going on in Nazi Germany as the Jewish community was being decimated or in Nazi-controlled Europe as the Jewish community was being decimated. You had Christians saying, hey, we stand with the Jewish people, like the Ten Boon family and others. We stand with the Jewish people. But you didn't have a lot of people claiming to be Israelites. So isn't it wild? Isn't it wild? Just have all these other groups that claim, oh, yeah, we're the real Jews. We're the real Israelites. Yeah, the devil knows they're not, which is why he's not trying to wipe them out the way he's tried to wipe out the Jewish people. little reminder there. Hey, friends, stay safe. Stay in faith. Jesus, Yeshua, is Lord. <laughs>